Welcome to the Nexia Melbourne podcast, designed to help accountants grow their practices. This podcast interviews the knowledge base in the Nexia accounting firm to provide you with insights and examples of how to better advise your clients, helping you retain your bigger clients and grow your practice. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the next year podcast, accounting advice for accountants. And today we have Mr. Jeff Parker in to talk about all things audit and accounting, I'm sure. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Nice to be here, I think. <laughs> I hope so. I'm not going to worry too much. So I wanted to uh, get you to introduce yourself and just tell us a bit more about what you do here before we deep dive into some uh, particular auditing advice. Um, so at the moment, or in, in recent past, been head of the audit at the next year Melbourne office. Joined the firm back in around 1980-something, I think it was, <laughs> there or thereabouts. Um, so that was my second job. Wow. So I've been here since then. So by the time, well, June next year or May next year is 40 years. So, uh, Do you get a special gift for that? Or I don't know. I think so. Did you get a gold-plated car for that or something? Well, something. <laughs> other than just being depreciated. Yeah. And what was the job you had before that? So? Oh, I was a graduate out of, out of uni. Yeah. Um, at a, at a firm in Abbotsford, uh, so which I don't think that firm's there anymore. But what was, that was it? Interesting. What was it like in doing accounting back then? When it you know pre computers, pre zero accounting software, pre you know you used to handwrite everything. Yeah, your budgets used to be good. Thirteen money column, your pencil, rubber. If you had to decide to change something, you had to go and recalculate the whole thing oh, all the way through. Oh, my God. Excel, people have got it easy nowadays with Excel. Yeah. Ch- change a variable and the whole thing flows through. Yeah. Nah, that didn't used to happen. Wow. And you'd have to get it right the first time because the round of rework would just be horrendous if you if you get it wrong. Well, yeah, you probably needed to understand a bit better maybe the, what what you can do now. But nowadays you can do a lot of what-if analysis. Yeah. You, you couldn't really do that. Mm. So much in the good old days. In the good old days, but is it? I mean, would you have to have a high degree of maths competency? Do you think back then to create your own formulas of you know? We don't have formulas. Projections. It, was, it was plus or minus. No, but in, not in the accounting, but in terms of business management advisory. Oh, um, no, I don't think it was necessarily maths based. A lot of it's common sense. Yeah, so. it's not that common common sense though. Well. No, possibly not. <laughs> but anyway, we are where we are now. So yeah. you would have seen a massive change from, you know, computers and then you know, well, into banking ha- and software. We used to handwrite journals, handwrite general ledgers, mm. um, T accounts, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You had to do it all manually. Yeah. Extract the trial balance. Nowadays, software does it all for you. And, and how have you found that change into, you know, the... I enjoy, I enjoy the change in technology. I like the change. Mm. I'm not one who lives too much in the past. Yeah. So I try and embrace some of those things and try and work out how to get a bit better, more efficiency out of some of those things. Yeah, yeah. I'd imagine a lot of the accountants listening are, uh, you know, probably in the same sort of era who, you know, maybe they're approaching retirement, maybe they're thinking about the next steps in their business. So, you know, I think that they would relate to what you're saying. Maybe they have kept up with terminology, but a lot of people haven't, right? Yeah, there's various stages. You go from those who are just 100% technology, um, electronic-driven to those who are still handwriting documents and, and that sort of stuff. It, it, there's a broad cross-section there. There really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and having reviewed a number of f- uh, firms for CA purposes and that sort of thing, you get to see a, quite a variety of the way people deal with the same thing. Yeah. 
Well, this is the this is the challenge, I guess, um, for for local accountants is, you know, they've done things a certain way. How much do they change? How much do they keep up to date? Um, you know, it's very challenging. There's so much. Probably, there's probably more to learn. You know, there's more compliance you know, information out than there probably once was before. Um, the access to information is just vast nowadays. Mm. You actually don't have to know the answer when someone asks you the question. Uh, you can look it up and you can find out a fair bit of detail about it. Yeah. Because um, there's no way, for example, I could quote you sections out of the Tax Act or yeah. standards and all that sort of stuff, but I know where to go and find the answer. Yeah, you don't need the memory, you need the, the access point, but you still need to have the general knowledge of what to do in, in situations like audit, for instance. You need to know when to ask a question, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. So, so being head of audit, you work across divisions of, of all the divisions here or all the clients here or because if your client needs audit, then you're going to be involved with that. Be Look, I guess the head of audit or head of any division is simply responsible for the division mm. to make sure they're getting their, um, the work done, deadlines, quality, all that sort of stuff. Keeping up to date with all the latest yeah, information. It's, it's not so much, and yeah, training and those sort of things. It's not. Um, me being in contact with every client with no, the full file out. So yeah. that's up to the individual partners to do that. Mm. Um, I just need to be able to help coordinate some of those things. Yeah, yeah. And and, share, and if, I guess if there's an audit question that's tricky, they're going to come to you, right? Get some questions, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so let's just presume that um, some of the local accounts out there are actually, you know, auditing, doing audit for their clients. Um and, you know, come across some tricky situations because, of course, they can't be across everything. How would you help them in that regard? Oh, look, look, if someone's got a, a, a question, more than happy to, to have a discussion about it. Uh, if someone wants um, a detailed opinion or second opinion on on a particular topic, then that's probably more of an engagement. And yeah, of course, maybe, an advisory, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a level of fee attached to that, but in the general... If people want to have a bit of a chat, I'm happy to talk about it mm. as best I can. But you do engage other other firms to provide an auditing uh, advice formally and also do audits on their behalf, I'd imagine. Um, we do do some audits on behalf of other firms, yeah, mm. um, particularly where some of the, um, the relevant firms are conflicted out. In other words, one of their partners, directors or whatever may be a director on the, the board of that particular entity. Yeah. They can no longer do that. At work, sometimes it's the back office work, the extent of the back office work maybe, that yeah. would mean that that firm is ineligible to do the audit. Mm. They, they're conflicted out. They've got independence conflicts. So, yeah, we're doing a few of those and we, there's a level of people and contacts within industry and that sort of stuff we deal with from time to time. Mm. So let me ask you about, I mean, because it must be, there's a variety of, you know, accounts doing a variety of different work. You know, as we've mentioned, from you know, pencil and paper to <laughs> full computer automation. Automation. What's the what's the level of auditing? You know, quality out there. Do you think? Do you think most accounts in Australia are doing it well? Do you think there needs to be an improvement? Well, if you listen to ASIC, we're probably not doing it that well. Mm. Um, I, I I tend to think that the big end of town uh, probably are the ones that come up with more complex issues. For one, yeah, um, which can sometimes be subject to a variety of opinions as to whether the treatment of a particular accounting transaction or the like. Mm. Um, at, at the lower end, I think um, people don't take auditing that seriously and, and therefore take shortcuts and are mm. perhaps not doing all the work that needs to be done that's required under the 
mandatory auditing standards. The auditing standards are mandatory for any audit. Mm. So from an SMSF audit all the way through to the BHPs and the, the top 500 companies, they're the same rules. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't have the same extent of information that you need to gather with smaller entities, but mm. you've still got to do them all. Yeah. That includes planning, risk assessments, transaction testing, all that sort of stuff. Mm. You can automate some of that stuff. The more you can do that, perhaps you're getting some efficiencies out of it. But um, at the lower end of town, I, <clears throat> from what I've seen, I think there's a belief that sometimes they're doing someone a favour and therefore you don't have to do all the work that's required to do an audit. Yeah. Uh, that's actually not the, the case. And what's more, that they run a risk. Uh, that if you're signing off an audit report and you haven't done the work, you run a risk, even if it is for the best mate or, you know, the town's local football club or something like yeah, the yeah. golf club. You're doing them a favour by either not charging much money or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but you actually not don't have all the work papers and all the support for the opinion you've con- you form. Um, you run a risk, and guess whose PI people are going to come and have a go at? Yeah. It's going to be yours. Yeah, so. professional indemnity insurance. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I think it's the, the the danger of thinking that it's only small, so it's unimportant. But I presume that if someone checks that work and it's not up to standard, then the accountant itself would, as there's risks to them with their as their professional indemnity, but maybe even their credentials, but definitely credibility. Yeah, well, funnily enough, it's usually the auditor that gets sued, not the accountant. Who, oh, really? Who, who might have prepared those accounts. Yeah. So... Um, and whilst nowadays there's at least an element of contributing negligence mm. um, under the professional standards, that um, but it's generally the auditor that gets the gets sued, mm. not often the accountant yeah. that I've seen anyway. So, so worth doing well. Sorry, <laughs> worth doing your auditing well. Well, that's the attitude I've always taken. I mean, you know, we, you sometimes spend a bit more time doing doing a job than than the fee might warrant or something like that. Mm. Um, but I'm. More of the view that our files are generally pretty pretty good. Mm. Um, we've got peer reviews. We've, we've had peer reviews from Nexia. We have peer reviews from the Institute. We've had peer, peer reviews from CPA. Um, and from time to time, if we happen to lose a client, sometimes the other auditor wants to come and have a look at the files. So yeah. um, from my view, I want it to look and stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. And in the main it does, you'll always find something to, to complain about, but... That's life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 40 years, I mean, you know, you're obviously not doing too bad if you're still here. <laughs> well, still here, yeah. Got through. <laughs> Swing in the bat. Um, now, there's been, there's always changes in the, in the rules and regs, and I just wanted to touch on uh, maybe one of them today, um, which is the changes in financial reporting. Um, we were having a chat about that earlier. Could you sort of allude to, to the changes that are happening with some detail? Yeah, look, I think for a long time, this concept of special purpose financial reports um, Australia is about one of the few countries, it might even be the only country that's got this dual sort of reporting regime. Um, special purpose financial reports are supposed to make it a little bit easier, I think, on smaller entities. They don't have to comply with all the accounting standards and um, all the reporting requirements and all that sort of thing. So for some time, they've want, I believe they've wanted to get rid of that and I think they've tried a couple of times, but have finally got it across the line that, mm. to remove special purpose financial reports. And that's now from 2022 is the first year that you'll need to be reporting as general purpose rather than special purpose. And that's for any entity that's required to lodge um, their financial reports with 
one of the public authorities, be it ASIC, ACNC, mm. um, a number of entities, for example, lodge with um, the Department of Justice here. Uh, so those entities will need to now pre prepare general purpose financial reports. Yeah. So this, does this affect, you know, charities, local sporting clubs, these yeah. sort of people? Yeah. Yeah, well, charities, yes, because they're required to lodge with ACNC. Yeah. Um, depending on the level of the, the size of the charity, it will have an impact. Yeah, the local sporting clubs and those sort of things, again, maybe not, but it will depend on, on the what, they're recording, what their reporting requirements are. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, and size is the main determinant. So in recent times, companies under ASIC, for example, used to have 10 million gross assets, 20 million worth of revenue, and... 50 employees. Well, they've effectively, they've they've grossed that right up, so it's $50 million worth of uh, revenue and some of that. So the, those thresholds have changed, so a lot less will need to necessarily lodge with ASIC, mm. um, but there'll still be a number, and those that do can no longer use um, the, the special purpose financial reporting regime. Yeah. So they will have to prepare general purpose, which includes the application of all accounting standards. Yeah. And, and what about audit? Has it changed from an audit perspective? The audit doesn't change massively, right? You, you've still got any audit still has to have sufficient and appropriate audit evidence to form an opinion as but, to what's in the financial statements. But there'd be more information in those financial statements because it'd be longer and more, more well, detailed. You'll be surprised, but yes, in, in principle, yes, there's, there's reporting requirements that you have to comply with. Yeah. So there's going to be a little bit more of an impact on the time taken to prepare financial statements, the timetable for taken to do the accounting, and the time taken that to do the reports and the disclosures that are required. So there's there is some more work involved. Yeah. yeah so it's going to, so obviously it's going to be a higher fee, but it's also could take some more time. So you need to be prepared for that. Yeah, there's going to be a level of expertise required that's possibly wasn't had, didn't have to be there previously. Uh, yeah. Um, where you've got for-profit entities, for example, that might have been doing special purpose. I mean, there's some large uh, for-profit entities that do do or have been doing special purpose financial reports. You know, they've got over 100 million turnover and that sort of thing. Well, they're going to need to be able to understand all about things like tax effect accounting and mm. and the requirements, the disclosure requirements that they're going to need on financial reports. Yeah. So someone A has to prepare it and the auditors have to check it. Yeah. And so if, if some of these, um, you know, the, the accounting firms listening are, have, you know, some of their larger clients are under this regime and they're going to have to change, they might only have one or two, you know, clients that have this, you know, this need and it's, and it's a lot to come to, come to grips with. So maybe that's a good time to get in touch with someone from here to, to assist them through yeah. the process. And there's an incentive. 30th of June 2022 is when you have to do it, the, the changeover. Mm. There's an incentive for for-profit organisations um, that they can do it from June 2021, this year, and not have to change their comparatives to the general purpose. So you can leave them as they were the special purpose. If you go to June 20, if you, however, don't do it this year and go to June 2022, then you have to do June 2022 as general purpose, but you also have to restate June 2021 to general purpose. Oh, wow. So you do so, it anyway. <laughs> so you're going to have to do it anyway. So why not early adopt yeah, wow. would be my recommendation. Yeah. Well, it's only a few months to get, get ready. Correct. Now, there's a slight um, 
anomaly with not-for-profit organisations. They don't actually, and I don't know why, they don't quite get the same um, leniency, if you like, or, or concessions in terms of the implementation. There is something in the um, disclosures that are required, but not necessarily restarting comparatives. In other words, if a not-for-profit does it June 2021, they're still going to have to restate their comparatives to general purpose for June for the previous financial reporting period. So it's not quite the same incentive. So it's possible you may end up not-for-profits delaying it for 12 months. And I think they're actually having a think about whether or not there's going to be an extra element of, of concession for the not-for-profits. Mm. But at the moment, I'm not sure that, they're there, that, that that's there. Yeah. And it sounds like it's, all the detail's not quite out yet. Would that be, that be true? Well, it certainly is for for-profits. Okay. So it's, it's crystal clear. Okay. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. So it's a rule. It's, it's, it's in now. Everyone knows about it. You've got to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, but it does impact on a number of organisations that probably haven't even worried about it in the past. Yeah. Uh, and that includes some of our clients that just they will need to do it. Mm. Uh, they won't have a choice. Yeah. Well, best best to take a bull by horns and get ready earlier, I would well, imagine. I, I think so. I mean, now's the time probably to be looking at perhaps drafting it up mm. and, and getting ready for those. I mean, we know what the disclosures are going to be. We probably just don't know what the final figures are going to be. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, it's interesting. Um, now, I'm sure there's lots of other things we could talk about in terms of order. So, so <laughs> You know it'll put everyone to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I find it quite interesting, actually. Uh, so we'll, we'll get you back in if we can and, and talk about those details as they come to hand. Um, now, what else do you do apart from work, though? Because I always like to finish off with, you know, a bit more about the person, not so much about the industry. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, Besides reading financial reports? Well, no, I try not to do that too much. <laughs> um, um, look, I'm a beleaguered, long-suffering Melbourne supporter. Oh, really? Yeah, went to the footy yesterday. That was good. Yeah. Well, it's nice <laughs> to get back to the footy now that you can. Well, yeah, the weather wasn't so flash. But no. So, yes, I uh, supported Melbourne for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, haven't really, although I am, oh, I was seven or eight or something when we last won a premiership, but I haven't really <laughs> actually seen it, so um, I hold out for that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll keep me going. Yeah. <laughs> 105. Hey. Yeah, yeah. So other than that, oh, I don't know, fond of my red wines. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. What's, what's no. your favourite uh, variety? Well, it depends. With it. Well, oh, Shiraz is the favourite variety. Yeah. I'm a pretty... I really stick to that most of the times, but yeah. yeah so enjoy the red wine. Mm. Um, well, you're lucky you live in Australia because you know some of the best shows in the world. So. Yeah. Well, it, my son's also taken on wineries. He's working at a winery there in Heathcote. So as an accountant? No, no. As a what? No, no. He, How did you like he, that? He, he gave away bookkeeping, any of that stuff. <laughs> food and wine is his passion. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Heathcote. Which, which winery up there? It's very popular. Tellurian is called. You have to know where it is to find it. Oh, all right. I'm on a mission but, now. But the red wine that I've tasted from there was really good. Actually, the whites were pretty reasonable too, but yeah. the, the reds oh, were very, very lucky in Australia for that. Yeah, for our football absolutely. Wine, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and other than that, follow the cricket, well, sport generally. Yeah. Cricket, F1. Yeah, nice. I don't mind nice. those sort of things. Hopefully, it'll all come back one day. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the F1 is due in November sometime. Fingers crossed, then. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on and spending the time. Uh, if people have any specific questions about audit, I'll, we'll ask them to send them through to the show and we'll 
we'll um, you know project to meet you next time. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, we'll get back on and uh, we'll continue the conversation. Excellent. All right. Thank thanks, you. Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Next Year Melbourne podcast, a podcast designed to help grow your accounting practice. The contents of this podcast is for general information only and not to be used for specific advice purposes or for formulating decisions. Next Year Melbourne PTY is limited, its directors and its employees excludes all liabilities relating to relying on the information and ideas contained within. Next Year Melbourne, ABN 46109590169 is an independent firm of chartered accountants with a limited liability by a scheme approved under the professional standards legislation. It is affiliated with, but independent from, Next Year Australia PTYLTD. Next Year Australia PTYLTD is a member of the Next Year International, a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. To gain specific advice from our firm, please contact us at info at nextyearmelbourne.com.au.